three, two, one. What's happening, guys? It's Logan Robinson from Heat Sphere presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here with an instant reaction after Florida State takes care of business and does more than that, obliterates the Miami Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal. Mungerville actually on the sidelines for this game. 45-3, to three, the Hurricanes go down pretty early. Florida State starting off strong in that first quarter, and after that, it just seems like this game's over. Tyler Van Dyke goes out with an injury. Didn't seem like he was fully 100% trotting out there. Man, oh, man, what a game from Mike Norvell and the Florida State Seminoles. With me this evening is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer up in the top right corner. Down below is D. Lou, Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at Noel Game Day. Gentlemen... Gentlemen, gentlemen, we kind of talked about it in the preview. I felt strongly that Florida State wasn't – this wasn't just going to be a game. I didn't feel like it was going to be a game going into even the second half, definitely not the fourth quarter. And sure enough, they take care of business, man. What, what are y'all thoughts? Florida statement. Uh, it really felt like head coach Mike Norvell and the Seminoles wanted to come out here and send a message to Miami and, and I mean, really the rest of the country, you know, with a dominating win like this uh, – the second largest margin of victory for Florida State in the history of this rivalry, which, you know, as we all know, spans back for over 60 matchups at this point. But Florida State came out, got the ball first, um, you know, got a little luck there with that pass interference um, penalty, and then were able to hit Ontario Wilson with a perfect pass for a touchdown. And I mean, from there, the offense just kept on clicking. I know you had the interception, but outside of that, and, and a, a very clean first half for the Seminoles and defensively they really buckled up whenever Tyler Van Dyke went out of the game and maybe the most impressive thing for me you know Florida State had allowed four straight scoring drives coming out into the second half over their last uh, four games and this time with a uh, 31 to 3 lead at the half Florida State comes out stifles Miami forces another punt and just doesn't really give them any chance of getting back into the ball game so I mean really after the first 15, 20 minutes of this game, it, it was practically over because Miami could just get nothing going offensively and, and Florida State held up on all three phases of the game all night. It, it was just an ass whooping all night. <laughs> there's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, we, we talked about Florida State's defense had to create turnovers. They created four. Yep. The running running game got almost five yards per carry, and Trey Benson was just shedding tackles all night long. <laughs> I mean, wow. he was breaking through two to three tackles every single time he caught every time, every single time he got the ball was breaking two to three tackles. It was unreal. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan Travis was averaging twenty yards per completion. Uh, it was just one of those games where we're like, like we kept waiting for this team to have, you know, a complete game, and, and for the most part they had it. Obviously, they let their foot off the gas and pretty much the entire second half. But I mean, it, you're gonna find very little to complain about winning forty-five to three on the road in a rivalry like this. Trey Benson, 100% the star of the show. Just I remember it popped up in the first or second quarter on the TV that he forces 22.9% missed tackles on his run. I think that number is going to go up a little bit after tonight because, I mean, there were a couple runs where three, four, five guys got their hands on Benson and, I mean, couldn't bring him down. The guy just runs with a certain ferocity. And now you're looking at back-to-back games. He had a career game last week against Georgia Tech, follows it up with another career night against his former head coach, so I'm sure Trey Benson is feeling really good about this performance. That first run he had after the interception where, where they get the ball in the 10, just how do you even describe it? I mean, he was stopped dead in the tracks two yards in, and then all of a sudden he's 
diving for the goal line. It made no sense whatsoever. Um, but I mean, credit to Florida State. All three, all three sides of the ball, offense, defense, special teams were dominant all night. This, the punting was great. You know, Fitzgerald was six of six on all of his kicks. And he made a field goal, forty-one yarder, forty-one yeah. yarder from Ryan I mean, Fitzgerald tonight. What, on the what road. more can you ask for? And all aspects, and then you go to special teams to start off with Ryan Fitzgerald. Great kick there, 41 yards. And then also, I got to give a shout out to the punt uh, the punt team. Jamie Robinson stopped there uh, catching the ball. And I think Brendan Gant, too, was one of the ones that stopped the ball there right on the one, uh, right on the two-yard line. Like the yeah. execution, that's yeah. what I tweeted, execution, something that Magnervelle pressed on whenever they were going through those losses and said there was a few things that Florida State, were, they were not executing on. And tonight, it just flowed beautifully. And, you know, special teams, a big night for them also overall. Yeah, they were huge. And <laughs> no one no one said anything. They were huge. But, you know, really, again, this defense stepping up in that first half. Um, in the first 30 minutes, Florida State outgained Miami 304 to 76 and the thing about last week how dominant what or how dominant the Seminoles were in the first two quarters against Georgia Tech it was 360 to 24 advantage um in the first half so we've seen now Florida State in two weeks really just come out and absolutely barrage their opponent with an offensive attack in the first half while the defense is doing plenty of damage on its own and you know two game winning streak now we haven't talked about it yet but this gets Florida State it's six win Florida State has qualified for a bowl game now for the first time in three years under head coach Mike Norvell. They've still got a couple games left to improve their standing in the postseason. And, you know, realistically now looking down the stretch with the way this team is kind of firing now on all cylinders, you've gotten some guys back due to health. You know, we didn't even talk about Trey, uh, Treshawn Ward was suited up for this game, but they didn't, they didn't even have to play him with how great Benson and Lawrence Toa Philly were able to play whenever this game was within reach for, you know, a little bit. So Ward is going to get another week off. Would assume that he makes his debut next Saturday whenever FSU travels to Syracuse. But the team is is firing on both sides of the ball and the special teams is stepping up once again. And Florida State also very healthy. So realistically, this team could pull out all three of, of its final games. It, the, the defense was unreal for most of the night. Miami had that one drive where they, where they got in the red zone and then the, the miscommunication on the snap fumble you know first gets the ball but Miami had 11 drives and seven of them were three and outs or better meaning there's a there's a turnover in three plays or less mm -hmm. I mean that's 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 stepping up from the defense that we haven't seen all year granted yes Tyler Van Dyke wasn't healthy when he was in and once he goes out you know Garcia and Brown just aren't there yet as quarterbacks but still you know for, for most of the second half you're playing with backups and on that one long drive you know they're playing with backups and they're still rising the occasion, making plays when they needed to be made. And, you know, it's something they haven't really been doing this year. They've been playing okay, but they haven't created those turnovers that we talked about in the preview. It's pretty wild. Everyone's been chomping at the bit for turnovers over the last <laughs> couple of games. Florida State, they hadn't forced one since, uh, I believe, North Carolina State, wherever Jamie Robinson got an interception on fourth down, where if he would have dropped the pick, FSU actually would have been in better field position. Yeah. But either way, to get those four tonight, no matter if it was against a struggling Miami team, I think it's just a huge step forward for the defense, especially recovering that fumbled snap to prevent some kind of garbage time touchdown just to get to make the score a little bit better for Miami. Then you get another fumble later. I think the next possession 
And then AZ, the true freshman, able to pull down his mm. first career pick and another turnover for Miami to finally end that game. So a very impressive showing by the defense, particularly when this game was out of hand and they could have allowed a garbage time touchdown like we saw last week against Georgia Tech. They really stiffened up when it mattered and helped Miami out of the end zone. Yeah, it was really cool to see Azrae in there. You also saw C.J. Campbell get into the end yep. zone too late in the game. And also, let's shout out Tate Rodemaker too on fourth down connecting with Brian Courtney and CJ Campbell in there. Yeah. To a freshman tight end of Brian Courtney. First just got it right where it needed to be. Tate Rodemaker on fourth down executes and then leads on to where CJ Campbell is able to pump it in. I know FSU fans were happy to get 40 points on there and then it went 45 to three, but you know, all over this, all over the place, there was plays being made. I thought Jamie Robinson had probably one of his best games of the season. Um, you know, he was everywhere, everywhere tackle for loss dominating there special teams down there building a wall to catch the ball put them at the two pin them down there the hurricanes he was everywhere and he also leads i believe led the team and tackles too tonight just a really nice performance from a guy that we w- went into the season looking at and you're expecting to see a leader come out of him and yeah when when you need your leaders in big games like this definitely on a, on a, on the road uh, against a rival uh, that's what you expect from a guy who's going to get a shot a really nice shot in the league too um this next year that that one tackle for loss he had on jacari brown kind of was the whole whole story of the game you know he gets in the backfield kind of slims him down and then he doesn't think he's down so he just shoves him over you know that, that, was, that was pretty <laughs> fitted for how the game went yeah there was a lot of things where just florida state you see jared verse too he's breaking after getting his sack you know that was just coming eventually also happy birthday to jared verse but gets a sack on his birthday night as the U breaks it over his knee, just phenomenal content all throughout it. You get to see Jordan Travis too smiling. You see the panned out, slowly panning out of the stadium. You see the Miami fans up there in the corner. It's just FSU <laughs> fans have been through that. We Florida State fans have all been through it where it's on the other side. Now you get to see it against your rival, one of your most hated rivals, and it just is a beautiful, wonderful night. The, the videos of the Miami fans leaving the game in waves at halftime was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, I, I needed to see that. that. That was good. They're used to it. I mean, they left a certain heat game before. Well, I mean, usually that usually they're not even there. So the fact that there's actually people to leave is, you know, impressive for Miami. Which was kind of sad. You know, they were touting up how it was their second sellout since 2018, and the last sellout was also against FSU. So what's the common denominator here, guys? Mm-hmm. blockbuster boys we're back but i want to point real quick just as some offensive stats that are kind of crazy because 10 different players caught a pass in this game and just the the distribution three receivers caught a pass three running backs caught a pass three tight ends caught a pass and also a linebacker slash fullback caught a pass and then yeah we mentioned cj campbell cj campbell scoring a touchdown lundy catches that pass for his first career receiving touchdown and I, I saw a stat, I think maybe it was uh, Ben Meyerson from Tomahawk Nation, but Lundy has now played four plays at fullback this season. Three of them have resulted in touchdowns. So whenever he gets in there, really stepping up for Florida State on the offensive side of the ball as well as making some great contributions uh, defensively. Dustin, we see them practice that all the time. And it's the Lundy package, and it always delivers. And it, so it really that, does. Yeah, it, it does. And, there, and there's a lot of things that they do with it, and they practice very hard for that red zone. Six of six tonight. That's something yep. Mike Norvell had been wanting to get better at and find more consistency. They're 100% tonight. 
good stats. I mean, you could jump around everywhere. I mean, looking at the stat broadcast over here, you look at that total yards, rushing Florida State, obviously, with Trey Benson. Lawrence to a Philly dude, I mean, just running with physicality. What in the hell, man? I mean, he, he just nobody thinks of him to be that way. And I don't think defenses think about him that way. And he will bust down and get for that first down. It just goes to show the improvement that Coach Yak has done with him. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Mungnerville shouted out Coach Storms after the game. Just of some of these guys putting on size, the strength that they've built. And, you know, a good example of that is running back Lawrence Toa Philly. Toa Philly also led the team in receiving, got that pass out of the backfield. Looked like it was going to be a touchdown for a second whenever he cut back across the defense. But – that's what we talk about with this three-headed monster. You just got three different running backs. I know Ward didn't play tonight, but I mean it's just it's a different flavor every time you put one of those guys back there. Benson running through tackles, Toa Philly, kind of the gadget guy who also we're seeing is a is a tough runner as well. So I mean, man, all three of those guys have been pushing each other all season. And like I said earlier, it just feels like they're hitting on all cylinders. And then you saw some of the blocking tonight from the offensive line. Dimitri Emanuel was one of the offensive linemen of the week uh, and FSU's went over Georgia Tech. It wouldn't surprise me if he's up there again because time and time again, he was creating some holes in the running game. Darius Washington was able to get up there a couple times. Robert Scott as well. I thought as good as, as good of a showing as it was for the running backs, you were seeing plenty of times where the offensive line was able to um, get up to the second level and really create for these guys. So an all-around effort from that offense. And the broadcast goes right on it. You know, Florida State was killing Miami with those counters, you know, with with a tackler guard pulling and setting the edge. And a double just, pull. Yeah, and just Benson and, and Tofili were hitting those gaps and just running through them. It, you know, it, it was pretty special to see. And, and to average five yards a carry against the South and Miami defensive line is, is something. It's definitely nothing to scoff at. Um, just, just great play. Every single level of the football for Florida State tonight. Mm-hmm. And this was the most yards um, on the ground that Miami Miami has allowed all season, uh, 229 yards and three touchdowns but, but, to but, 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 but what they did to Virginia, come on. Oh, my God. That was so stupid. I I seriously did not think this was going to be a game. I, I literally didn't. I When we did, did my score prediction, I was like, this is just not going to be a game. Congrats, and, and, Kevin Steele. That's not going to be there for long. I mean, I understand it's Mario Cristobal's first year. It's not why I'm – not giving them much of a hard, crazy time, but I just think Florida State was by far levels ahead as a better team. And we talked about it in the production meeting before we, we went live. Like, we made our predictions, and I was like, 38-10 seems kind of weird. Like, I don't know how I really feel about that. And, yeah. you know, here we are at 45-3. Like, it's, it's unreal. And the fact, I didn't even know tonight was Miami's homecoming night. Like, that's hilarious. Did they have to bus like all the homecoming people over to the I'm, stadium too? I'm sure they did. Mm. Taking about an hour to find a bar too, uh, leaving the stadium. Uh, Jared's on here asking any real injuries. So we see we saw a few guys go down. Derek McLendon got dinged up uh, a little bit there. I'm missing somebody. Trey Benson also got dinged, but I think he's going to end up he's being right. fine. They were yeah. the trainers were with him at the end of the game, but it seemed like he was bent leg fine and everything. So probably a little dingage there, but. Seemed like Jazton, Turnatine, and Trishon both got held out, but it seemed like they could have played if, if needed. Both of them were fully dressed out and warmed up. And Robert Scott went down, but was back in the next play. Right. That was I, think a big it was one. The, I think it was the same for Pat Payton. Yeah. Yep. So you leave Miami healthy for the most Pretty part. Healthy. You know, we'll Relatively, see. Yeah. 
we'll see during practice this week on, you know, mainly evaluating Trey Benson and see what's going on there. Maybe a few others, but seem like fairly healthy leaving a game. That's always usually going to be a uh, pretty physical one. And there was a few times where things got chippy a little bit. And I, I've just loved to see the growth. And I want to bring up this moment where we saw Mike Norvell spending time with Deuce Span after a late flag there. Um, you know, I'm sure they got into a little scuffle there with the Miami player, you know, he, you know, Magnarvel takes him off the field, talks with him, is in in his face because that's something that Magnarvel has pressed a lot on is accountability and also not making silly mistakes and causing penalties like that. And Florida State was doing a really good job of that. Deuce Ben goes in there, has a mistake, and then Deuce. We don't usually see Deuce like this during practice. He's not the most animated guy, kind of cool and collect. But to see him kind of get fired up there a little bit was interesting to watch. And I think Mike Norvell mm-hmm. was as shocked as we were. D. Lee was like, "Okay, <laughs> damn, Deuce, Deuce Ben has." kind of some fire in him there. And then I love how Mike Norvell continued said, okay, I'm going to go talk to him some more kind of cools him down a little bit eye to eye. And then you see just a couple plays later, you know, do span come down with a catch just goes to show what Mike Norvell is trying to build in the culture and build that locker room and help these players develop. And not only as players, but also as, as, as people, you know, and that's, I thought that was a really, really one of my most favorite moments I've ever seen from Mike Bell because we see it at practice, but it's cool to see the national side of what he does all throughout practice, all throughout fall camp spring to let it translate onto a national broadcast. And for everybody else, all the Florida state fans to see, I thought it was a really cool moment. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's actually the next offensive play. Yeah, it was. The, the blow up happened at the end of the series. Then, you know, they gave get him right back on wide receiver screen the next series. I love exactly. that. You know, I, I love that accountability to get in his face saying, hey, you made a spake, but we still trust you. And there's still a game to play. I, I really love that. And and getting credit to the broadcasters for calling it out, too. You know, yep. Nor, Nor- Norvell, Dugans, even Jordan Travis, they all handled that about as well as you could have. It was a cool moment to see Norvell talk with him and then to see Deuce come back and, and respond and and make the right play. And I mean, that's just kind of the stuff you want to see from the roster, especially in a game against Miami. I know the score was out of reach at that point, but you know, it's still an emotional game. And sometimes you can just go over the edge a little bit. And I think that's what happened with span, but you know, just the way that they're able to work that out, it just shows, you know, not only the trust <clears throat> that span has in Norvell, but also the trust that Norvell Norvell has in, in the player as well. So just really the culture on both sides paying off there. Mm-hmm. Slow, slowly growth. And I, that was a really cool moment. If you guys haven't seen it yet, it's all over, all over social media, but how about Ontario Wilson, man? We haven't talked about that, but God, to start off the night, Jordan Travis connects deep with Ontario Wilson. Great. That, catch. Was, that was my guy. Great like, throw. Ontario Wilson throw was due. Was... And you said it too, D Lou, you and I are on the same page this week. We saw a really nice practice out of your veteran wide receiver, number 80, all throughout the week, and we're mm-hmm. like, you know what? He's due for one, and he usually does definitely when you're in the primetime games like this. We saw what he did against LSU. He does it on the road against Miami, but wow, that ball right right, perfect on time there. Ontario Wilson, I think, though, needs to get a lot of the credit for extending and grabbing yep. that catch. I mean, that was a phenomenal catch from a veteran wide receiver, and they started quieting down that crowd slowly but surely. It was a great play, and it came at a perfect time. I know it was his only catch of the night, but Florida State, they just had that third down where they were able to advance due to the pass interference penalty. The Miami crowd was still kind of in it at that point because that was the most fans that they've had there in four years. And then uh, 
And then Florida State, they took the deep shot. They had man coverage. Ontario Wilson ran a perfect route. Jordan Travis placed it, and then Wilson was able to grab it in stride by getting his hands out there. So really a perfect play at the perfect time to kind of dampen the crowd a little bit and give the offense some fire. And I think, Logan, you kind of say it on every episode, but Florida State and these opening drives in the first quarter, they really come out on script and, I mean, play it picture perfect. And then you saw it the next drive as well where – they got the ball after the Miami field goal and went right down again and ended it with the uh, the pass to Lundy down there at the goal line. So especially in these last two weeks, I mean, man, they've really been rolling on offense. And it felt like they were playing pretty well early in the season whenever the Seminoles were on that four-game winning streak. But these last two wins have been something different. I'm going to say, too, penalties-wise, four to say last week, 13 tonight, four. Inside of a rivalry game, too. I mean, I, I just think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, the response there. Yeah, the, the and, response and get, that they made. They got they have or the uh, Miami had their second highest penalty total of the year too, with nine. Mm-hmm. And you had the the pass interference on the first drive, a pass interference negate an interception in the end zone, and there was a couple other costly penalties for Miami as well, where Florida State they didn't really kill themselves at all in crucial situations. Mm-hmm. I thought Fabian Lovett, too, made an impact in this game. We saw him last week, got to get off the rust a little bit, but at some points, man, he was just moving an offensive lineman and just getting ready for the running back wherever he was going to go. But the, just seeing Fabian Lovett back in there in action was nice. And you got to see, too, a lot of – you know, they kind of let down the snaps for Fabian and Robert Cooper there on the inside. So you saw a lot of Farmer. You saw a lot of Malcolm Ray, too. And, you know, Miami was able to find a few things, definitely with Jalen Knight in there, too. Jalen Knight also wanted to run some hands with Jerry and Jones. Probably check the scoreboard, uh, buddy. But, uh, yeah, just just overall, former defensive-wise, FSU after the – Yep, former FSU commit. After the first quarter, Miami didn't score anything. After that, their first offensive drive. drive, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's why I put out a shout out to Adam Fuller. Yeah. I know nobody really wants to say it in the chat or any of that kind of stuff, but Adam Fuller had a really nice game. And I know you understand Tyler Van Dyke, not fully healthy. Then he goes down. He's not in the game. Then you're dealing with some backup quarterbacks that obviously you can't rely a lot on with the Hurricanes right now. But still, for what Florida State prepared for and the execution from a lot of the guys making plays, tackle for losses, recovering the ball, having takeaways, greedy Vance interception, just – you know, the execution, I think, is exactly the theme of the night for Florida State. They executed on plays that the coaches put them in for. For sure. It, it, they had six straight drives defensively where they allowed 10 or fewer yards. I mean, wow. that, that's that's a good way to put a game away, and especially mm-hmm. like like Dustin mentioned, coming out of half to, to force them into three and out. That killed anything Miami could have possibly had in the locker room at halftime. Yep, and really just to – you know, Florida State, great, great performance on defense tonight, especially in that first half against Miami. But just to continue piling it on the uh, the Hurricanes, only three points tonight against Florida State on that opening drive. Obviously didn't score a touchdown against Virginia last weekend in a, in a four-overtime game that they somehow won. So now for Miami, their last touchdown was with 13.06 remaining in the third quarter of their 45-21 to loss against Duke on October 22nd. So – Two-plus weeks and counting since the Hurricanes have gotten into the end zone. And, they weren't and, this, is, and this is with the uh, 2021 Broyles winner, right? 
apparently they, they really – they wanted him bad. And not only does Michigan offense get better with them losing him, Miami Miami's offense has seemingly gotten a little bit worse. And they broke an NFL draft prospect quarterback to make him undraftable. <laughs> I mean, come on. What, what a yeah. great award winner. That's man. not an indictment. I don't know what is. I mean, yeah, we were hearing it all throughout the week. Mario Cristobal saying, you know, we're practicing him. We're seeing how we're going. We're evaluating him. And then they say, oh, yep, he's going to be end up going out there. But I never felt like he was fully going to be 100%. Like, damn, you're going to put him out there like that? It was scary to watch. I was like, you cannot let him play another snap like that. I mean, he's sacking himself. He just yeah. can't be out there. Like, yeah, what that, in the that world are we doing? Away. That should be against the rules, man. That throwing away from the end zone looked bad, man. <sighs> Ouch. It hurt me looking at it. I was like, uh-uh. Uh, take this man out right now. I just felt bad for the kid at that point. I mean, yeah. you know, he was trying to gut it out, but clearly not even close to, to 100% healthy. So feel bad for him. How long until we see Miami fans say, oh, this would have been a different game if he was healthy? I hope yeah. they don't because even if he was in there, I don't give a shit. That wouldn't even matter. Sorry. Van Dyke. Maybe, maybe. What's he worth? 14? Yeah, 10, 14. Not 42, though, right? Yeah. But what if they had their left tackle that got hurt in pregame? What's oh, he worth? Man. Like two and a half. Or their, left, or their left guard that got hurt in the game. And left guard got hurt, so that's like one and a half. Yeah. It could have been they forty-five might, to twenty. Yeah, you probably take a touchdown away because you wouldn't have had that bad interception. So it probably would have been like thirty-eight seventeen. I love how we're just trying to help them out and see what would happen if he was healthy. Uh <laughs> dominating, dominating game from Adam Fuller's defense. Tom on here, uh, you know, is feeling like recruiting now is going to get some buzz. We just put out an article on nolgamity.com. Dustin does a great job of getting recruits reactions. And so we got one immediately out right now. I suggest you guys go read that. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good quotes, D. Lou, that you got. What's the buzz after going down there in Miami where that is, that area is filled with rich talent. And there are also a few targets there that were in attendance to see that, including, I don't know if you've been able to confirm, I don't know, we didn't get to see him, but Cedric Baxter, Florida State, big-time target, former FSU running back commit and attendance there. When you're seeing Trey Benson do this on a continuous basis, you see Trey Sean Ward earlier in the season, you see Lawrence Toa Philly, then you see C.J. Campbell walk on, Ronnie Hill to progress. Like, at some point, it's like, damn, could I come in and do the same thing? And Coach Yak, shout out to him. But recruiting buzz, Dilu, what are you hearing and what's the scoop? Well, it's always buzzing after – a Florida State win over Miami. And to your point on Cedric Baxter, now he's seen it for three straight weeks. He was in Tallahassee for Florida State's close loss to Clemson where they ran the ball exceptionally well. He was there last weekend for an official visit against Georgia Tech where, once again, the ground attack just did whatever they wanted. And he saw it tonight against Miami where they absolutely beat down the Hurricanes and some other guys in attendance, four-star defensive end commit, Lamont Green Jr., and he was there with, top wide receiver target, um, Jalen Brown. And, and they were actually in attendance as fans. They didn't sit in the Miami recruiting section. I believe they came with uh, Lamont Green's father. But regardless, some some talent in the stands and then a ton of people watching across the nation as well. This, this was my favorite reaction that we've gotten so far. This is from four-star defensive back commit C.J. Hurd and Tribe 24 committed to FSU over the summer he said good teams beat the shit out of bad teams that's what happened tonight so really plain and simple from cj there and straight to the point i like it i like it i love that 
That's a great, that's a great quote there. He's always <laughs> in our Instagram comments, hyping it up and everything. So a guy that uh, has also got his recruiting cap on too and trying to build his class on his own, but a lot of optimism coming out of recruits. Any else worth mentioning from in there? And I, I was just like trying to picture Lamont Green senior and like a Miami recruiting area yeah, right. sitting there. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I couldn't even imagine it. We've also got four-star defensive end Ruben Bain Jr., one of Florida State's top remaining defensive targets right now. He said, great defense, did they thing from start to end. And also recent offer, defensive end Chamberlain Campbell, who has an offer from Miami as well. Truly enjoyable watching this in-state rivalry. And there are a couple other reactions there. And got some messages out to some other guys. I'm sure we'll have some other stuff come in. But this is a huge win for Florida State, another victory that Mike Norvell and the Seminoles can sell on the recruiting trail moving forward. And there are still some targets in South Florida that the Seminoles are pursuing, such as, you know, we talked about Edwin Joseph on Wednesday night and that one right now, Miami and FSU, two of the teams involved in that recruitment. So, you know, a win like this could spring some momentum there. We talked about with Baxter. This is especially a 45 to three win over Miami. This is something that Florida state, Mike Norvell, the recruiting staff, they can sell for an entire offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Mark real quick. You know, we got to have a, a Kane in here, even though there's one of them out there that still is trying to use one of their brain cells here. This is Mark from Facebook uh, saying, F them. You three are idiots. Miami had injuries. We've had them too. You guys are fools. Uh, my first reaction to that comment is cry more. Go get a degree. We know you didn't go to Miami. Um, and then also eat a bag. Eat a bag of dicks. Anyways, so on to the next one. Sorry about that one. Wait, come on now. It's instant reaction. It's raw. We don't have any sponsors. Anyways, so uh, any other reactions from this game, guys? I mean, we got to look ahead now. Florida State is bowling, so that's going to be fun to cover this team a little bit longer. But Florida State is going to go on the road 8 p.m. against Syracuse. Seems like Syracuse kind of starting to lose that momentum that they had earlier in the season, guys. You know, Florida State has a chance here to get the seven wins. And, man, you got to start thinking what could be the end result with Florida State having ULM the next week at home and you finish off the season against Billy Napier and the Florida Gators at the end of the month. Yeah, Syracuse has kind of fallen off the tracks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Losing 19-9 to to Pitt today. Um, quarterback Tommy Schrader hasn't been playing. So we might have a chance of seeing old rival Carlos Del Rio Garcia. I believe, who played at Florida and is now playing for Syracuse, was 8 of 23 for 120 yards and six sacks. Um, a sack per completion is pretty crazy. Um, it's a stat line you don't see very often. And then Sean Tucker was just completely stifled as a running back. Ten attempts for 19 yards. You know, Syracuse has kind of been snake a little bit these last couple of weeks. Garrett Williams goes out with an ACL injury a couple of weeks ago. Um just tough luck, and you know Florida State's rolling right now. They're getting healthy at the right time, and Syracuse just simply isn't. They're struggling. It wasn't that long ago where Syracuse was six and zero, and they had what a two touchdown lead in, in Death Valley, and it was like, wow, the Orange might be for real. And uh, ever since then, it's kind of went to the wayside. We'll see if Schrader is available next weekend, but like you said, one of their top players on the defensive side is out for. The season and they've really struggled over the last couple of weeks now three straight losses for the orange could have been four potentially if Devin Leary had been available 
for the game against North Carolina State, but that was the first week that he had been out for the Wolfpack after Florida State knocked him out for the season. But regardless, a team that's definitely going to be trying to regroup. Um, it will be another road game for the Seminoles. So, you know, you're going to want to see them come back after this emotional rivalry win over Florida State, um, put together another strong week of practice and get ready and, and don't overlook this opponent who, you know, probably going to drop out of the top 25 now, but has been ranked for the majority of the season and, and could respond at any time. We'll be tracking Schrader's av- availability throughout the week because I think that changes a, a lot for Syracuse. And I know the running backs are looking their chops again because they just gave up yeah. 161 rushing yards to Pitt. And I think Florida State's running back room is a little bit better than Pitt's. Just just a tiny bit. So, so what do you think Florida State is with that running back room? A top top five easy running back room in the country? Maybe top three? Top I know to going bottom. into the yeah. season. Yeah, top to bottom. It's tough to beat. I mean, just the depth they have where even if you put in Rodney Hill, who's your fourth running back, he's still really good. And CJ Campbell as a walk-on is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, at top to bottom, it's tough to beat. You're like, it's one of those like maybe your one and two aren't as good as some other programs one and two, but once one through five, it's tough to match. Mm-hmm. It's a really damn good good room. And shout out to David Johnson. Say it again. He's he's done a pretty good job. And I think you know, going back to Cedric Baxter, I think he's got some good momentum for himself. I don't think he has to advertise much more to some of these guys that are really talented mm-hmm. that are in the backfield for this upcoming class for sure. see could could be adding to that room with some serious serious talent we'll see what happens we'll see we'll see never know uh anything else gentlemen it's so easy to come on here definitely after a win like that to just keep on rambling on and rambling on but this is a instant reaction that's now over 30 minutes to it how, how i don't know trying to it's think it's a this team, this team now seriously has a chance. I think toughest opponent will be at the end there with Florida. Not that they're the most impressive, but I do think I love that, you know, Florida State has a chance to play that game at home too. You know, the, eight, nine and three, eight and four, I think is at worst at right now for Florida mm-hmm. State. Expe- Expectation-wise yeah, is eight and four, which... If they go worse than eight and four, something happened. Something dramatically happened for sure, but... Yeah, nine and nine and three seems close on, and and like I, we've talked about it throughout the last couple of weeks, guys. You know, Florida State with one possession games with these ranked opponents. You see the progression from year to year to year, and I love you know the broadcast crew got to see. I love how they were the ones that were calling the game down there over there at New Orleans when Florida State beat LSU and that thrilling victory, and they got to see the progression throughout the season too from both teams and see LSU now go there and defeat Alabama. Uh, you know, and just puts Florida State's win over LSU just a little bit better, doesn't it? Adds on to that resume just a tad. And, and not only that, but he was there for the Boise State collapse a few mm. years ago. Yeah, I heard So to that. see the progression over those years is incredible. Uh, nightmare. nightmare. I just want to say Florida State outside chance at a 10-win season. If you throw in a bowl game. Yeah. But, and remember, this is a program that won eight total games – the first two year that Mike Norvell is here. So there's been a tremendous climb this year, gentlemen. Yeah, there has. Clemson also went down, got obliterated. Smacked. Yeah, by uh, Notre Dame, man. Yeah. It was a wild, wild day of college football for sure. Kind of missed some of it with having to watch the FSU game, but 
yeah, yeah, because he had the crazy ending in Death Valley, LSU, Alabama, where Brian Kelly goes for two in overtime. They run a pick play, but they get it. So now you're yeah. now FSU's got a win over a top ten LSU team who just knocked off Alabama. And yep. guess who taught Brian Kelly to go for that two point conversion? Mike Norvell, because he didn't want to leave it down to another extra point attempt. I I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I I said that in the moment. I, I legitimately did. I look I looked at my mom and was like, "You you think he's uh, having second thoughts after week one?" I got to because it looked like he even thought about it then. Yep, exactly. Man, uh, man, I was I was surprised in the moment in New Orleans that he didn't, which mm-hmm. is. With as much momentum as they had, I was shocked. You know, Brian Kelly is one of the most unique play callers in football. So I was surprised he didn't then. So the, I, I think I definitely think he saw the same situation this time. I was like, yeah, no chance. We're going for it. Mm-hmm. And Florida State, just looking back, like Cam Akers, Sean Corbin, just that room always impresses and you can rely on. Michael's asking here. So Rodney Hill, CJ Campbell, Kaziah Holmes, Penn State Holmes. running back. Yeah, Penn State. <laughs> I kind of forget about this one, but next year Florida State will have Penn State transfer running back Kaziah Holmes, who in person looks very impressive and watching him at practice. He's with scout team right now. But who do we think – what will this room look like going into next season? <sighs> and then there's a question here, will Baxter want to come? This is a loaded room. But if you go to this room, you're seeing it's a trio. It's not just one guy that is starting out there every day. I think that's something that is worth noticing and talking you're about. You're still going to have Benson and Toa at minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's an insane move. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I don't know who goes, but I would think probably at least one of those guys decides to test the draft waters, maybe two, depending on how the remainder of this season closes out for Florida State. But with the way that they rotate so many running backs, I don't think it would necessarily affect someone of the caliber of Baxter Jr., especially, you know, he's someone you would expect to come in and instantly make an impact for playing time. We talked about on Wednesday, if Florida State's able to sign him and Samuel Singleton, that's two, at least recruiting ranking-wise, that would be the two best running backs that Mike Norvell would have signed from the high school ranks since he's been in Tallahassee. So we've seen what he can do with guys that were former walk-ons or three Mm -hmm. stars or fringe four-stars transfers that had dealt with serious injuries. But now you give him a bona fide top 20 recruit, a, a top three running back in the class. With a growing offensive line, too. With that as well, um, this guy is kind of the limit there. Mike Norvell, he's, he's got running backs figured out. I think we can all say that. Yep. Not worried about that one whatsoever. Whatsoever. Well, put me uh, back there. He'd probably find a way to get 150 yards. Nah, 150 away. yards. You better that's chill. Not get carried away. Yeah, maybe unless, two yards. Unless you're the one blocking. <laughs> that's what I meant. Oh, I'll, I'll play a DJ Lundy role. Uh, it might be able to work. He was wide the F open. So it could work <laughs> if you got the hands. But yeah, anything else, gentlemen? Just good win for Florida State. And yeah. Don't forget back to the postseason. That's gonna that's a little bit of an underrated part coming out of this victory here, and, and we'll see where Florida State's able to get themselves by the end of it. I, I'm just loving it because now Austin doesn't just get to talk about basketball all the time. All right. In December, I, we're gonna have to talk about some football, some practices, what we're seeing, everything like that. Win a couple that, more games. The, might make it a New Year's Day. Well, hold on. That just, that just means the podcast in December head. are gonna be a lot better. Yep. 
I, I'm just thinking too. Some guys still getting healthy. You're looking at, you know, I'm just thinking future, future. But you see Darren Williamson. We'll see if he returns too, coming up soon for Florida State, who has had some flashes throughout the season, but just hasn't been able to stay fully healthy. And then Winston Wright Jr. Now you add on a good neck, a good couple of weeks. Whenever you go bowling here, maybe there could be a sighting there. Or uh, if not, you just wait till he comes and and maybe is able to play in 2023. So, just some certain things to look ahead. Now I'm not used to we're not used to doing that, but it's going to be fun on this show to be able to talk some Florida State football a little bit more in depth and on hand at practices. Mangrabel does a great job with the media allowing us to get over there and be on the inside and take a look at things. So I'm I'm excited. We got it. We got a longer season, baby. Postseason, we're going bowling. So bowl projection, uh, baby. That's right. We did some bowl projections. I've seen a lot of San Diego. I'm seeing a lot of holiday bowl in San Diego. A little West Coast action. Just remember, we had the. We I had think the it could get better though if they keep winning like this. You could, could start upping it up a little bit. We had it ready to go last year. Whenever Florida State was playing their regular season finale <sighs> against you, we had so many we had things ready. Whole article ready. <laughs> then we just had to delete it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While in Gainesville in their press box. Outside, cold granite, like granite press box table there outside. It's not in glass, not enclosed. In the car. And he left his jacket in the car. <laughs> it was cold, man. It was cold. That's pretty cold. Now we're on to better things, and the horizon is bright. So Florida State absolutely dominates Miami and Mario Cristobal in his first year. 45-3, to three. the Seminoles are going bowling in 2022. Appreciate everybody listening. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, if you're on YouTube right now. Before you leave, hit a like. If you're on Facebook right now, share with all your friends, all the Facebook groups that you're in. We will be live on Wednesday night, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. We will be previewing Syracuse and talking some basketball, Florida State, and Leonard Hamilton tip off on Monday. We will be there for coverage on that too. So a lot of content coming your way, a lot more work. This is where the busiest time of the year comes. So enjoy it. I'm excited. All right, everybody have a good evening and we'll talk to you guys next week on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Peace. Free, free Baba.